Father, what a privilege, what an honor, Father God, that we have, that we can approach your throne of grace to receive mercy and to receive grace in the time of need. Lord, I desperately need it today. I desperately need it every day, every hour, every minute, every second of the day. I cannot live without you, Lord. I cannot move without you. I cannot speak without you, Lord. Lord, may I decrease and you increase, as my sister today reminded me, Lord. May I have that same heart. Father, today as we get into your word, Father God, your word that brings life, your word is life. Lord, you spoke this world into existence, Lord. You, you got us out of darkness into your marvelous light, Lord. Who are those are yours, God? Your children, Lord, your sons and daughters. Today I pray, Father God, that anyone that is living in darkness, God, that the, that the, that the light might shine bright in their hearts, God, that they might see you with the eyes of their hearts, they might, that they might turn away from their sins and trust in you, Father. Trust in your Son. Holy Spirit, work with me today as I'm partaking with you, Lord, because I cannot do nothing of myself. You bring wisdom. You're the wisdom of God. You're the knowledge of God. And without you, I cannot do nothing. Holy Spirit, take place. Open our hearts. Open our minds. Let us be transformed by the glorious gospel, the gospel that saves, the gospel, the power of God unto salvation. Today, Lord. May your name be glorified. May your name be exalted. May my name be forgotten, but yours be forever remembered. I thank you for everything you do. Be with us tonight. Be with us this morning. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, family. As we continue in the book of Acts, this is beautiful. This is, I I love um, the book of Acts uh, because it's one of these historical books, you see the, 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 the church being moved by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that the church being empowered by it, being empowered by it. We saw in the first chapter that in the first chapter you see the church waiting patiently as Jesus has told them, wait, because God the Father promised the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity to come to you. And so they were waiting for him patiently. And they got, and then chapter two happened. It came. It came and filled them up with boldness. It filled them up with power and authority. It filled them up with a zeal for Jesus Christ. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is the one that, that leads to truth. It is the Spirit of God that convicts. It is the Spirit of God that gives us the zeal and the confidence in the gospel. Because in the gospel it reminds us what does the gospel do? What does the Spirit of God remind us of? That in the gospel, we're sons and daughters. That we have this in Christ. That we are in Christ. This is the beautiful thing to have as the the church, the beginning, the early church had in chapter 2. But now we see that as we walk through this, we see chapter chapter 3. And we see, and I love the author of this book, Luke. Because as we know that Luke was a physician, a doctor. And so Luke was very detailed, very specific, very thorough on the things he was writing. Very thorough. And so what I want you to see is that before chapter 3, we want to see how, how Luke gave a description of how the church was moving. 
what the church was doing. And this is beautiful because this is in chapter 2 towards the end. And this is the, the title of it says, The Fellowship of the Believers. And this is what, what the church was doing. And this is what it says. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship <clears throat> to the breaking of bread and prayers. And, and all came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. I, I'm going to quote that one more time. And all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and, and all, <clears throat> excuse me, and had all things in common and they were selling their possessions, <clears throat> belongings, and distributing them, proceeding to all as any had need. And day by day, attended the temple together, breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those whom were being saved. And this is, this is what's happening at the early church. This is what's happening right now. That day by day, they were being added. Day by day, they were breaking bread. But day by day, they were going to the temple to pray. But you want to see that they were gathering at homes, breaking bread at the homes. But why were they going to the temple for? You know, who hangs at the temple to pray? A good opportunity to, to share the gospel. A good opportunity to go in and share with their people about what Christ has done for them. So that was the reason why they were going to the temple. They will pray, but the opportunity will show itself when they will go into places where normally they won't go. But they will go every time there because that's where they will pray. And as we get into verse in chapter 3, we see this right here. And this is the, as we get into chapter 3 of Acts. Now we're here. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple. At the hour of prayer, at the hour of prayer, <clears throat> the ninth hour. And I just want to, and it says you have Peter, you have Peter and you have John. And this is, this is the beautiful thing as we see as Peter and John. So Peter and John are the leaders of the early church. I tell you that Peter is, as, as in Matthew, Jesus said that he, told that, he told Peter this, on this rock I will build my church. And that's what Peter means. And the gates of hell should not prevail against it. This is Peter. Now we have John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. So these are the two pillars of the early church. These are the ones that are standing the church. This is the ones who started the movement of the Holy Spirit, of the church being moved by the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, and proclaiming the gospel of God in Jesus Christ. So now we have this beautiful scene, this, this one, as we go into the, uh, chapter 3. And this is what it says. So this is Peter and John. We're going to the temple at the hour of prayer. So normally in the Jewish culture, they will go three times to pray. Three times. One at 9 a.m., one at 12 noon, and which is right now, 
the ninth hour, which is 3 p.m. This is the time of where uh, Peter and John are walking into the temple. Okay, so we'll put this in mind. It's kind of on the, the, uh, right after the afternoon, and they're already walking to go pray for the third time. And now, verse 2. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple. This called the beautiful gate, to ask for alms and those entering the temple. Okay, so now we have Peter and John, they're walking into the temple, and this is, they're in the, they're, they're walking into the temple, and this is kind of like the porch of the temple. They're walking into it. And so this guy, this lame guy, you can uh, put in your mind kind of like in the sense of a homeless man, of beggar, a lame beggar, lame for asking for money. And, the, and so he's walking into he, John and John and Peter are walking into it, and, and then this man is laying right there from birth. It says he was lame from birth. I, I, I'm over, he was lame from birth. He was lame from birth and was being carried there. So someone had to put him to, to be at the front of the porch of that temple. So people can see him so he can ask money, you know, so he can ask for money and help for any kind of gifts. Anything so, so he couldn't help himself. Daily he was carried out by the temple, asking for money, asking for help. And so we see that he's asking for these alms, these gifts, this money. Imagine how this man must have felt. Imagine for a moment for me that this lame man cannot do nothing for himself and he's lame. And he cannot do nothing. For since he was born, can you imagine that? When I, when I was here, when, 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 I, when I heard this, I can, I, can, I can actually reflect back to my own life. I can reflect very back on certain things that I can't do because of my illness, of my disability, what you would say in this world, right? My disability would say I can't shoot, bas- I can't shoot basketball, I can't play basketball. My, my disability would say I, um, I can't speak right. Uh, I had to go to therapy. All these things, I can, these things were holding me down. Like, oh, I can never play a guitar. I can never play the drums. I can never go certain things. That I, I, and so can you imagine this man being lame from birth, how he felt? And so this is where, where we're at. This is where this man is at. This is where we're at. With, so I want you to imagine how this man felt. That not only that, but in this, in this time, and this culture, him being lame was actually, he meant that he was unclean, that he was sinful, that there was sin in him. That's the reason why he was like that. That was the sole purpose of his life, that because he's a sinner, that's why he's that way. Either it was him or it was his parents. No, right? So you can only imagine how he felt, unclean, unworthy unable to even walk or play with anybody or talk to anybody or walk with anybody. You always have to beg and always have to ask for somebody to help him. He could have never lived a normal life. He had to depend on others. And this is the thing that even 
him being outside of the temple? Can you imagine him being outside of the temple? Can you imagine he, he's there and he can't go in? What a reminder of his condition, right? So I really want you to feel how this man is feeling right now. He's begging for help, helping. And so now we're in, so now we're here. This beautiful gate, that's what they call it, right? The temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms. And seeing Peter and John go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze. So he says, he, he started, he stopped and looked at him. He stopped and looked. He gazed at this man. And this is what I really want to see, that, that Peter didn't just saw him as a, 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 just a man that's lame, but he saw him as who he is, a person. Not only that the church was generous, but he was concerned about the people. Why? Because this world brought this, this world, because of his brokenness, now becomes these disabilities. Because of sin coming into the world, there's disability. Because of sin, there's this pain and suffering. This is why. This is why this man, because of sin coming into the world. But we see that Peter directs his gaze at him, as did John. And he said, look at us. This is Peter telling them, look at us. You can only imagine Peter and John. Man, they're probably, uh, how would you say, a blue-collar type of dudes. Working hard, fishermen. You know, working hard dudes. They're not, they don't look fancy looking. They, they don't look like they're like, this type of religious type of dudes that, that look all fancy looking. No. Not with like some kind of ties or anything like that. These were just rugged dudes with like blue-collar type of dudes. And they look at us. Like, look at us. Like, he's telling the, the layman, look at us. We don't got no money. We don't got no silver. We don't got no gold. We don't got that. But what we do got, and this is the, the beauty of, of, of seeing this, that, they, that the layman didn't have no money. The disciples didn't have no money. So it's not about the blessing, but the one who gives the blessing, which is Jesus. And he's, as we see that, that he even said, we don't have this, but what we do have is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. What we do have is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Do you know to, to be able to empty yourself and knowing that you don't need this, you don't need that, but all you need is Jesus. And I, that's one of the reasons why we were playing that song, All I Have is Christ. At the end of the day, that's all we have is Christ. Why do I say this? Why do I say that the money didn't matter, that the stuff that he's asking for doesn't matter? I'm not saying that that doesn't matter. But at the end of the day, those things will be gone. At the end of the day, you won't have those things. And I, I remember this one, um, this one song. It's not a Christian one, but it reminds me like, un puño de tierra, just the dirt. That's all we are. At the end, we're not going to bring nothing to the table. At the end of the day, we're not going to bring nothing, not even our money, not even anything. At the end of the day, all we're going to bring is, did you believe in Jesus Christ? Did you put your trust in him at the end? At the end of the day, everything's stripped away. Everything is removed. Did you have Jesus? Did you receive it? Did you believe it? 
So we have this man. And so he, Jesus, I mean, Peter and John says, we don't have no silver, no gold, but what we do have, we give to you. In the name, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Stop for a moment. Okay, you have this man, this 40 years old man, and probably older than that. He's a 40-year-old man, been lame since birth, never walked before, never stand before, never rise, never walked. And then these two dudes, they don't look kind of, they don't look like they're like just regular type of dudes. And he tells them, rise up and walk. Can you imagine this man, 40 years or older, he says, rise up and walk. Can you imagine how he felt? This unbelief in their hearts? They, like, man, can you, these guys are telling me to rise up and walk. Like, you think, I just imagine, you know, like, how can I walk? How can I stand? I mean, I've been lame for the rest of my life. I tried it before. I tried it before. Probably he had tried it before. He has tried certain things, and he couldn't. But then Peter and John are telling him, rise up. Rise up and stand and walk. And then he took him by the right hand. This is Peter grabbing him by the hand. And he took him up and in his right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. A supernatural thing happened right now. Something miraculous, something Unknown, something that we cannot explain at this very moment, of course. But to know that he said he raised up, he had faith in the name of Jesus Christ. He believed of what Jesus says, and the name of Jesus has authority and power to do anything. Just the name in itself, that Jesus Christ is Lord over all. That Jesus Christ can do and restore anything he wants to restore and he can put anything back to what it originally was. He saw this man broken, and he can restore that. What a beautiful picture to know that we have a God like that. That, that, the, the, that, that, that Jesus, in the name of Jesus, as the Peter and John were proclaiming Jesus of Nazareth, you have not only that, that Peter and John, but they were filled. They were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. The third person of the Trinity, they didn't have no power of their own. They were empowered by the Holy Spirit. So this man is standing up, rised up. He started walking. His ankles were good. He was strong. So now we have this man walking. We have this man that had been lame from birth walking. How are these men to tell me just to stand, right? How can this man that's been lame all, all his life be able to stand? We can easily fall, all of us here. We can easily fall into this unbelief that God cannot do. We limit God's grace. We limit God's grace as if he had limits. No, because God is not like us. He is uh, he's limitless. He can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants to. And I believe that. I believe that right now. I'm believing at this very moment, the fact that I'm right here standing. 
I'm right here believing it because the fact that I'm speaking to y'all at this very moment is because of his grace. Not only because of that, and I believe this head on. I had a fight with this text because it was a, it was a struggle. But to see the beauty of God's grace working at this very moment. If he's the God from back then, he's the God right now, and he's God forever, the same God. He's always going to be the same. It's not changing. So we have this glorious God, this Holy Spirit empowered Peter and John to do this, this miracle, this supernatural miracle to this lame man that is now standing. So now this happens, right? He rised up. He started walking immediately. And he started believing this man. He started, he started moving. He started, now what happens? He's well. He's whole now. He can walk. He's good. He's healthy. What does happen? He walks into the temple. This beautiful gate. But it was, let me read verse 8. He says, And limping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and limping and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God, recognizing him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. Can you imagine? All the years he's been sitting at the front porch of this temple, asking and begging for money. And then all of a sudden, he's walking. And all the people that have seen him or gave him money, you know, because he's pretty smart. I mean, he was lame, but he was pretty smart. As I was reading this, you can imagine this man. He wasn't just, he was lame, but he was smart. The reason why I say this is because he's there begging for money, right? But at the right time, you know? You know, because why they're going to the temple, so they want. So these are religious dudes walking into the temple to pray. So these dudes are actually, hey, I need to look good. I'm gonna give some money to the help, you know, to the poor, and I'm gonna look good. So I'm doing my 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 religious duty, right? And no, but see, he was smart in that sense. So like I knew where he was gonna get his money, right? You gotta get it somehow, right? I can't I can't make him feel like he's a like hey. He might be lame, but he's still, you know, he got, he's pretty smart. <laughs> so I'm saying that just for, but he's limping up. He stands up and begins to walk. Not, not only that he's walking, family, not only that he's walking, but I want you to hear this limping up. There's a reason why Luke puts that there, you know. Luke is very detailed, like I'm saying. He's very thorough on what he's saying. So I'm going to go to an Old Testament in Isaiah 35, 6. And it says this. Y'all don't have to turn there, but I'll read it to you. Then shall the lame man limp like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy, for waters breaks forth the wilderness and streams in the, in the desert. So we see what the, the prophet Isaiah was prophesying from 700 years ago, before this happened. Can you imagine? He's already like... This was going to happen. This was going to happen because we're here. We have this lame man, beggar, asking for money, has limped up. And he stood and began to walk and into the temple with them. And limping. I was like, man, I'm talking about it. Like, he's like, 
Man, I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's exactly what he's doing, family. That's exactly, he's rejoicing. He's limping up like, man, I was lame, but now I'm standing. Now, can you imagine him, how he felt? Because as we saw how depressed he was, how sad it was, as we were reading, as I, I wanted you to see how he felt at that moment. But now that he's been miraculously healed by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the name of Jesus Christ, that he was lame, but now he can walk. He rise, but not only he was walking, but he was limping. Limping with joy, with excitement, with excitement. And let me continue to read verse 9. It says, and all the people saw him walking and praising God, recognizing him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple. Asking for alms, they were filled with wonder and amazement. And what has happened to him? So imagine, family, all these years, now the, the people that have seen him asking and begging, now see him walking. Can you imagine how you will feel? I, I just want to share this. And nothing has to do with this, but I just want to, I wanted to show you like something that I experienced that moment when I saw something happen that I never, I didn't expect. I was just like, there was this, uh, it was a couple of months ago. Actually, actually it was last year. And this is, and this is, it never happened to me like in this way. But I woke up with this, this, this burden to pray. Like it was heavy, like super heavy. I need you to pray. And I knew that day that I was, that, that Saturday morning I woke up, I knew what we were going to do. We were going to go visit my, my, uh, my wife's aunt, uh, Joyce. And, and so I was just, it was just heavy. Okay, Lord, I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a pray. I'm like, going to pray. And I, I, I just couldn't move. I needed to pray. And so I was praying for her. And uh, just this story about this is that she was in the hospital because she, uh, they diagnosed her with cancer. And so we were, I was praying and praying for her and praying. And like, Lord, I don't know what you want me to do, but I'm here. Like, I don't know what it is but I'm here, okay? I don't know exactly, but I'm going to go visit her. Okay, so we go. And normally, the family don't normally ask me to pray. I'm just there. You know, usually my, my father-in-law will pray or, or her uncle will pray, but they will never ask me to pray. I was like, oh, okay, I was just, I'm hanging out. And everyone's like, they're about to pray. And then Uncle Nat, that's his name. I call him Uncle Nat, but he's right there, and he tells me, hey, Brother Mo, can you, can you pray for us? And it, it, just, it just hit me. It was just like a, my heart was beating hard, and I was, like, hot. Like, I was hot. And I was like, what is this feeling? Like, it was just unreal. So you know what? I, I started praying over her. I started praying over them. And I started praying, I like, like, you would never believe. And I was like, Lord. And I was just, uh, just addressing it. Addressing the cancer that she had, it was colon, the colon cancer, and she had, and I was praying for her as she's being a daughter of God, and I was like, I was just praying, I, I wasn't expecting nothing, I was just like, I just, Lord, you told me to do this, I'm gonna do it, and I prayed. Later on, not not that same day, but then the good news happens that, that they, they did surgery, and then she's doing fine. She didn't have to do ex, she didn't have to do the chemo, nothing like that. But then she comes to me, like, in a very silent mind. She's very, like, very, uh, like, onto herself, very, like, slow talk, not, 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 not very uh, talkative. She gets me to the side and says, um, Mo, I need to talk to you. 
And I was like, what happened? You remember that day that you prayed for us? I felt something, something warm right there where, where, where they said it was. Like, it was just warm. Like, it was hot. And I just knew that from their moment, I, there was a peace. There was a calm. And I was like, I'm telling you, right there at that moment when she said that, I, I felt like the, the amazement. I felt like, oh, my God, Lord, only you. Like, only you did this. I cannot, I cannot say I did it on myself. It was you, Holy Spirit. It was you who healed her. And I was like, man, but it was that moment. This is how they felt. These people that saw this lame man, now he's walking. They were in wonder and amazement. That's how I was, how God left me. In wonder and amazement. In wonder and amazement. So now, family, now I know that, that, that we read this as, as a chapter, chapter 3, verse 1 through 10. And so I'm going to address it to y'all today. And this is, we are like this lame beggar. They cannot walk. That's helpless, hopeless, unable to help himself. We couldn't help ourselves. We couldn't save ourselves. We couldn't do nothing. We were spiritual lameness. We were spiritual lame. We couldn't help each other until God came and rescued us. You are a miraculous. You're, something supernatural happened to you. And if it's not to, if it wasn't back then, if it's today, praise the Lord. He did something supernatural to you. And I want to quote this old, old preacher. And he said this, and this is how I, I picture this. He says, his name was uh, Raven Hill. He said, once I said, the, the greatest miracle that God can do today is to take an unholy man or unholy woman out of an unholy world and make him holy, make her holy, then put him back into the unholy, and keep them holy. This is something that God has done. You were spiritually lame. You couldn't walk. But now you can walk because of Jesus Christ. He has changed your lame heart. He has changed you, family. You are that amazement. You are that wonder that people can see. Are people seeing this in you? Are people seeing you as this man is? Are you limping for joy? Are you praising God for what he has done for you? Are you praising him right now because of what Jesus Christ has done? Family, praise him. Praise him. He's worthy to be praised, family. Remind yourself today at this very moment that you were unholy, but now you're holy because of Jesus. You were not a son, but now you're a son. You weren't a daughter, but now you're a daughter because of Jesus. It wasn't because of you doing it because we couldn't do it, family. We were that lame man that couldn't do it. It was because of Jesus and Jesus alone. He's the one who picked us up. He's the one who made us walk and rise. Family, remind yourself, if, it ain't, if you had that moment, do we have the before and how and after moment? Do you have that moment, family? I pray today that you recall that moment. That before moment, before Christ came to you, how broken you were, 
how lost you were, how needy you were, how desperate you needed him, but yet you didn't know that how he showed up, how Jesus showed up to you and rescued you and redeemed you and saved you and made you his family. Remind yourself of that moment. So I leave you with that question. Are you limping for joy and praising God for what he has done for you? That he's changed and transformed you. He's made you a new creation, family. A new person, a new daughter, a daughter and a son. Now you're a part of God's family. Do people see you? Do people see this in you? And then my sense of conviction kicks in, right? Because sometimes we don't, right? Sometimes it doesn't feel that way, right? I, I want to be honest right here. I mean, I want to I set the question, but the question is also for me, fam. Yeah, it's not always like that. <laughs> it's not always like that, but there's grace and mercy for that. There's grace and mercy. There's forgiveness. There's love. There's love that, that never fails us. I need you to remind yourself of that. If you need to repent today because you haven't been demonstrating this, you can repent today and demonstrate this. Demonstrate the love of God. Demonstrate the grace of God in your life that he has transformed you. And Pastor Peter says it beautifully in 1 Peter, in 1 Timothy, chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. It says this. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, on whom I am the foremost. But I receive mercy for this reason, for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were, who were to believe in him for eternity, for eternal life. Apostle Paul, the greatest example, family, of that. And he changes from darkness to light, from not being a son to being a son, from not being his people, now being his people. But in our hearts, now, because of this scene happening, because of what just happened, now this is the title. Miracles lead to gospel opportunities. This is a, as we go into the other, the other part of the, of the text. Miracles lead to gospel opportunities or gospel explanations. And this is Peter. Peter writing, uh, uh, about to has his second sermon now. And now he's by the uh, uh, Solomon's particle, particle. And this is kind of like the, the pillars. He's outside in the pillars. It has, like, have big, these pillars are big. You can imagine like these big pillars right here that's holding this building. And it has a roof. But they're outside. You know, it's kind of like a big porch, you know. But this is, this is where they're at. And so I leave it, I, I'm going to quote him in 1 Peter 3.15, and it says this. But in your heart, honor Christ the Lord as holy and always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. You do it with gentleness and respect. So, prepare yourself 
as always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. So family, the reason why I'm saying this is that your testimony, the testimony that you have doesn't save people. Okay? But it leads to the good news. Your testimony that God has saved you, rescued your before and after, your before Christ and when Christ saves you, and the how, now Jesus, when that happens, this testimony that you have that you will share with others, it's just a bridge to bring you to the good news. Because it's the gospel that saves people. It is the glorious gospel that Jesus lived, the life that you couldn't live, and that he died, the day that you should have died. That's the gospel. That he raised from the third day, conquering sin, Satan, and hell for you. That he's ascending on high, on the, ascending on high, sitting at the right hand of the Father, and interceding for you. And one day he's coming back for you. That's the gospel. That he took your place. That he died and took your place. That he took your place so you can take his. So that he sees you. God the Father sees you as a son and daughter. And he takes all your judgment and wrath. This is the glorious gospel. This is the gospel that saves. But our testimony leads to that good news. Like, because you were once this way. Like, how can Brother Mo do this? Well, because he was like this one time, but now he's this way now. People need to see that. That's the open door. That's the open door, family. Everyone here that has been saved by Jesus Christ has this moment. And if you don't have it today, I pray that you have it today. That is, today is the day of salvation for you. Believe in the Jesus Christ. Believe in what he has done for you. So now verse 11, we have Peter here again. So while he's clean, this, the, the, the one that was lame, now he's clinging to Peter and John. You know, all the people utterly astonished ran together to them in the, in the portico called Solomon, right? And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us? As though by our own power or piety, we have made him walk. So he lifted up the question, Peter, like, hey, we, weren't, we didn't do this. Why do you look at us as we did it, as we did the miracle? Sometimes when something like that happens, they, you, sometimes when people, something like that happens, people try to take the credit. Honestly. I, had a, I actually had to address, uh, I enjoy it sometimes. I had to address it. I was like, I don't have nothing. I am the same as you. Only God made it that day to use me that day. We all have that same spirit. We all have the same Holy Spirit that can do that job. And there's nothing miraculous about me. But there's always something miraculous about him, about Jesus and his name. So we have them. So these, so these uh, people that, been, that saw this happen, now, now you have Peter addressing them. So like I said, miracles lead to gospel opportunities. So he saw the opportunity. Peter, obviously you know how Peter is. Now, I'm going to get it where I can get it. <laughs> so he's going to get it right here. So he's got, he got his second sermon right here. He's fixing to preach. So, so, so when I'm reading this, he's pretty much preaching it to you. It's like, I, 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 was like, I, I can't really uh, take too much of it, but it's just like he preaches and he goes on. But I like this because I want you to do, I want you to know this. 
that Peter preached, right? But I want you to know this. It doesn't disconnect the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit empowers him. The Holy Spirit gives him the wisdom, the knowledge of Jesus Christ. You got to picture this, that, that we didn't have, they didn't have the Old Testament. Okay? So, okay, I, I need you to uh, have that in mind, that they didn't have the, old, the New Testament like, like we do. They had the Old Testament. So they had to look back. That's how we look forward, right? But so we see that, that so now as I'm, I'm we're going to get into Peter's uh, sermon here, I want to quote 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. I mean, chapter 2, verse 10 through 12, and it says this, and this is Peter, I mean, this is Paul. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the, dip, the depths of God. For who knows the person and thoughts except the spirit of that person, which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. Amen. So now, now we have Peter here being empowered by the spirit, being moved by the Spirit, very zealous by the Spirit to proclaim the gospel. And I actually forgot my water, so I'm kind of like, uh. um, but um, I don't know why I took my glasses off. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, so now we have Peter here. Now, now we have... Um, and when Peter saw it, he addressed it. Men of Israel, why do you wonder? Now he, he, he rises up the question. Now he leaves it. Now he start, starts proclaiming Jesus. Okay, so these, these are Jewish people. His audience is a Jewish, is a Jewish audience. So everything that he's going to proclaim, they're familiar with. Okay, so now he's going to say this. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant, Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate. Okay, so he's calling them out. Peter's calling them out. It's just plain. It's plain. You know when someone calls you out like from the stuff that you did? That's what, that's what just happened. But like, you know that God, your God, the God of Jacob, the God of Isaac, <clears throat> excuse me, the God of Abraham, your God, our God? So like, so this is historical. So these people are familiar with this truth. It's familiar from this truth. So now they're, he's addressing our God. Now, now he says, now, our God, our fathers, the, the God of our fathers glorifies his servant, Jesus. Now, I was looking up this word servant. And so this servant actually, in his regular, in his regular word, actually means child or son. So when it goes into more into detail, not only that, that you see servant as a servant, as a bond servant, but you see a servant as the word, what it meant. It meant son. So it meant Jesus, the son of God. And I, I want you to, as you continue to read, this is, this is, a, this is a Peter, 
whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate. He's calling them out about what they did. They delivered, the religious people, the Jewish people delivered Jesus to Pilate. To do what? As we continue to, find, continue to read, to crucify him, right? And look what he says. And when he, <clears throat> it says, and when he had decided to release him, but you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. Okay, so you see the gospel already here. So you see that, like, he's calling them out, you, you like, emphasis, you. And says, you denied the Holy One and Righteous One, and you asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And, I, and you see that <clears throat> he's addressing the title, who God is. You know, God is, that Jesus is God in the flesh. That Jesus is God. And then we see that, that um, not only that, <clears throat> but I want you to see where, where Peter is saying here that, that why he keeps saying you, that you delivered over, that you denied, that you killed, you murdered, you wanted a murderer granted to you. So, okay, now they hear, they're hearing him saying these truths. Can you imagine when someone tells you something, a truth about you, and you didn't want to hear it? How would you feel about that? Sometimes it's kind of raw. You know, sometimes you need to hear that. But sometimes you do need to hear that. You actually do need to hear that. That's what I meant. To something surface up, right? What is it that they weren't believing? What, what is it they weren't seeing? They weren't seeing Jesus, who he was, the Messiah. They weren't seeing who he was, the Son of God. They preferred a murderer to him. And then it says here, and you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. The author of life. Can you imagine Jesus being at the cross and he's the author of life? He's the one who's making the people that are crucifying him to breathe right now. He's the one who's making them stand right now. He is the one who's making them see right now. He is the one right there giving them life right now. And they're deciding to kill him. The source of life you have killed. Can you imagine that? As Peter's saying these words, I'm, I'm hearing like, man, the one is making me breathe at this moment. I've crucified him. So you imagine the audience where, he, where they're at. Now, right now, a family, Peter's, Paul says it beautifully. He says, and this is what he says, he was delivered for our transgressions. Okay, so not only that, that Peter right here is addressing the Jewish people, but we're as guilty as them. We have killed the source of life. We have killed the author of life with our sins. Because of our sins, Christ was crucified. Hear it. Sink in. The one who's giving you life, we have crucified with our sins. He has died. He has died in our place. He has taken the judgment that we deserve. But now, he says, whom God 
who God raised from the dead. So he doesn't just leave you there. He says, he rise. the third day, he rised. He's alive. He's living. He's alive and he gave us life. He defeated sin, Satan, and hell in our behalf. I mean, now we're alive because of Jesus. I mean, he died our death and he lived. We live his life. Family, recall that. Now he have here, it says here, to this we are witnesses. This is Peter saying, to this we are witnesses. And I like how he says that because sometimes people will say, oh, I believe it in my heart of hearts that Jesus is alive. No, he says, we're witnesses. No, no. Peter said, we're witnesses. We saw this happen. We saw this happen. We saw our risen king. We saw him, physically saw him. That's what he's saying. We're witnesses of Jesus Christ. We have seen him. So it's not, I believe it in my heart. They saw Jesus Christ physically. Not only that, but as when he risen, when he risen for the third day, he walked here for 40 days. And he was walking with them. Not only, then, not only the disciples, but many people. He said over 500 people saw him. So he's physically resurrected from the dead. So now finally to, to hear that, that Peter says, and there were witnesses in his name, by faith, in the name of Jesus, by faith, in his name, has made this band strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given this man this perfect health in the presence of you all. So he gives us the answer, right? He, he, he started the, uh, with a question, and like, it wasn't us. Why are you looking at us? We didn't do nothing. No. But now he gives us the answer on 16. It was by the name of Jesus Christ, by faith, the faith that he has in Jesus Christ, that he believed that he trusted, that he treasured Jesus as all in all for his life. And this is what made him perfectly healthy in the presence of you all. This is what happened. This is why this happened. This miracle happened so the gospel can happen. The miracle happened so Jesus can be displayed. The miracle happened because Jesus to be glorified through that miracle family. And that's the only reason why miracles happen. If it's only a miracle so I can glory, no. It's so can Jesus can get glory, family. Because we do believe in miracles, and we're one of them. Whoever believed in Jesus Christ, who is never the same anymore, never the, never the same again. So now, that's crazy, family. So um, to realize that, <clears throat> that he's... he's he, uh, Peter's break shopping. He's going in. And so he have, you have him here proclaiming and giving the answer why this man was healed. And now he addresses them. And he says here, now Peter, and now this is Peter, man. He, Peter is raw. He called them out, right? Raw. He was raw. And he told them like, like it is. Like you denied Jesus. You preferred murderer. You denied him. It's like, so all these things. You crucified him, right? Man, this is like, like in like the first sermon, he's like pinching, and like he just pinched them and cut them inside their hearts with that truth. And so the same, he goes in, but I, there was something different switching, switch from Peter, you know, because Peter is raw and just bold and tells you like it is. And now you have him here in verse 17, and it says, Now, brothers, 
Because now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance. I had to pause right there. I was like, that don't sound like, that don't sound like Peter for me. I was like, I was like, Peter's drawing. He just tells you like, but he paused and very, he sounded very compassionate. You know? Man, I was like very humbled in a sense. I was like, because can you imagine? He denied Jesus three times. You know? He messed up. You know? So he's addressing them now with compassion and humbleness. Now he's like, now he says to them, and now brothers, I know that you act in ignorance and as, as did also the rulers. And I want you to picture this. Jesus was at the cross and he says, forgive them for they don't know what they do. That's the same heart that Peter had said it right now. Out of their ignorance. They didn't, have, they didn't know what they were doing. They knew exactly what they're doing, but they didn't know he was. The unbelief in their hearts that they were killing the author of life. But he's very compassionate. Like, I know I messed up. You messed up. I know you, you deserve punishment. You deserve wrath. You deserve this. We all deserve it. But look what he says. And now, brothers, I know that you act in ignorance, as did also the rulers, but what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets and all the prophets that he, that his Christ would suffer. That's fulfillment. That's fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be plotted out. Um, and so, again, and I'll say this because I like, this is, again, like who's, who's writing this letter? And this is Luke. And Luke had a, a, and so right now at this very moment, Peter's about to do something for us. Peter's doing something beautiful. And this is what, what we love about Caruso. And that's how we say gospel-centered, that everything points to Christ and everything leads to Christ. Everything aims at Christ. And if it ain't aiming at Christ, then we're not preaching the, <laughs> we're not preaching the gospel. It's like, so everything that we preach is aiming back to Christ. So we see that, 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 that right now, Peter is about to have an, a Roche Mez moment. You know, he's about to school the, the audience. You know, you're talking about a fisherman. So again, that's why I quoted First Corinthians, that, 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 we're, that, that the knowledge and the wisdom that we get is through the Spirit of God only. It's only him giving us, teaching us, leading us, and guiding us, and reminding us of the truth of, of the gospel. So we have here that that um, that. That Peter's about to uh, school them, and he says this. He says, And then, as did also your rulers, but what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, and that's fulfilled. And I, I want to quote this because he's quoting the sufferings of Christ. And this is Isaiah 53. Isaiah 52 through 53. And this is. 700 years ago, family. This is 700 years before this happened. 700, I just, I, just, I just know how precise and how detailed God is. I, I, I remember talking to, I think it was Brother Joe, and I was like, man, how, it's, it's kind of like Isaiah 52 and 53. It's kind of like a, a, a movie script, you know, of what's going to happen. And real, like, like he was, they were excited of what was going to happen. And this is like, this is exactly what's happening here. Like, this is Peter being filled with the Spirit, 
given the knowledge of the Spirit, being filled and zealous and showing them, hey, this, this is already foretold. This, this told us back, back, back 700 years ago from Isaiah the prophet. Not only that, not, not, only, not only Isaiah, but all the prophets was pointing to Jesus. And so I'm going to read uh, Isaiah 53, verse 11 through 12, and it says this. And he's always been, he's always been pointing back to, to this. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. And he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he pours out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors, and yet he poured the sins of many and made the intercession for the transgressors. Amen. So he's pointing out, and you start seeing the script being displayed and what Christ has done. And you start seeing that he's quoting and he's reminding them that it was long ago when Isaiah was talking about this day. And now he keeps going. And he says, Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be plotted out. Repent. Repent. Turn away. Change of mind of the things, that, the unbelief of what you were believing, that Christ wasn't the Messiah, that Christ wasn't the Son of God. Repent of that. Repent that he was not the author of life. Repent of this. Turn away from this. If you don't believe as Jesus as Lord at this moment, repent of this. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Repent, that's the word. Repent, therefore, and turn back. Not only that you repent from the unbelief, that you repent of the things that, that you saw that was wrong from God, that it was wrong of Jesus. Repent. Repent of the things that you've done. Repent of, the, of, of choosing a murderer instead of Christ. Repent from that. Turn away from that. Turn away and trust in the one who is the source of life. The one who is the author of life. Believe in the one who gives life. Believe in Jesus Christ. And this is Peter telling his, his group, the audience that he's in, the Jewish people, as he's reminding them, and it was, this was proclaimed a long time ago. And now he keeps going, and, and he says that, that, times, that times are refreshing and may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he might send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus. And I, and I, like, and I like how you say it's plotted out. Because at the end, when you say, when you believe in Jesus, there's things that happen. See, he changes your heart. He changes your, your way of being, the, the, their thought process, your way you think, the way you see, the way you love, the way you care. Everything that you do, every angle of your life is changed and transformed by the name of Jesus Christ. But you see that in this, that plotted out, that he has forgiven you. That he has removed your sin, your sin as far as the east is from the west. That he has cleansed you and plotted you and made you whiter than snow. That those sins that you've committed from your past, present, or future are forgiven for. That because of Jesus and what he has done, 
that he has washed you with his blood. He has cleansed you. He has forgiven you. And he has adopted you as a son and as a daughter. But whom? And this is Peter again. And I like how he says the times of refreshing and many come, <laughs> and that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. What comes in? Darkness, light. Who is the light? Christ. Lights up your heart and, and gives you life and breathes into you a refreshing. You know, it, it, I, know I know when we have a, a cold drink, a cold, like just cold water, probably with ice, and we drink it, it's just refreshing. We're drinking, when we believe in Jesus Christ, we're drinking this living water that refreshes our soul. Dress refreshes our soul. I'm like, man, I had thunderstorms. Everything happened wrong to me. Everything can happen, but because of this moment, I can be refreshed. Because of Jesus, I can be satisfied. Because of Jesus, it's okay. Because of Jesus, I'm here. And that's the beauty of it, family. This is Peter. This is Peter addressing the church in this form, in this way. And now, and that he might send Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, this is, he's, he's now, Peter's going, Moses said, the Lord God will rise up for you a prophet like me, a prophet like me from your brothers. And you all shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. I was like, okay, so now, so now we have Peter here um, pointing out to like, you, you see Moses? He talked about Jesus. That among us, that, that there's going to be a prophet like me, a greater Moses, a better Moses. What did Moses do? As we recall back into the Old Testament, he saved the Israelites from slavery, from Egypt, right? From Pharaoh, right? He saved them. He shepherded them out from slavery to the promised land. Now Jesus, the greater and better prophet, Moses, he saves us from ourselves. He saves us from slavery to sin and death and rescues us and brings us to his family. The beauty of the gospel family. That it is through Jesus Christ that everything from Moses and down, from any prophet, was pointing back to Jesus. And ultimately, he's the greater prophet and he's the greater king. Because everyone that was pointing back to him, everyone here was pointing back to Jesus Christ. And now he's, now we have here verse and this is the reason why, why I'm sharing this. This is the reason why he's pointing back to the prophets. And then he says, in shall, and now he becomes, he goes back to being, again, raw. He says, but it shall be to every soul who does not listen to this prophet, meaning Jesus, you know, the greater prophet, the son of God, the one who knows all, who is all-knowing, he shall destroy for the... I mean, so he says, and every soul who does not listen to the prophet shall be destroyed 
from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who had came from him also proclaim these days. And you are the sons. And this is, this is a, a, he goes back, back. He goes way back to the promise that God made from Abraham. Y'all remember who's Abraham? If someone knows the song, Father Abraham. So that one. That Abraham I'm talking about. So um, so he, he, he shares this right here. Let me read it. And it says, <clears throat> and it says, and your sons and your sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God has made with your fathers, saying Abraham, and and you and your offspring shall all all families of the earth be blessed. And why does Peter do that? Like, why does Peter brings back the brings uh, back this this prophet, this Isaiah moment? I mean, I mean Isaiah moment. This this uh, Abraham moment. It stands out because the the, the offspring that, that is mentioned here is actually mentioned. It is Christ. He is that offspring of blessing of salvation. Christ is our hope. And salvation. Christ is. That through Jesus Christ, through this covenant that God promised, is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. You hear me? That through the promise that God has made, is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And the people say, Amen. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Because it is through Jesus Christ that all these promises are fulfilled. It is through Christ that He's rescued us. It is through Christ that all through the prophets... Pointing back to Jesus is that Jesus was fulfilling every prophecy that God had promised from day one. So praise unto his name. And this is beautiful because it's, even <clears throat> this word, offspring, is beautiful because you start seeing that he is the son that was to come. He is the internal son that was to come. And it was promised and he fulfilled it. So now... Christ is the ultimate universal blessing for the world. The child of Abraham, through whom every nation will find salvation, is Jesus Christ. So family verse, now because of this, God has raised up his servant, again, Jesus, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. Because of this, Please turn away from your wickedness. Because of this, turn away from your sins. Because of Jesus being the true Messiah, the one to come, repent and believe in him. Trust in him. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you, Lord, for your grace, for your mercy, Father God, for for you who you are, Lord, being merciful and gracious, God. How you sent your son from his throne, God. He was worshipped by angels, worshipped, and he was sitting at his right, on your right side. They didn't have to come here, God, to rescue us. But you send them, Father, to come into this world to save sinners like us. Lord, you did a miraculous work in our hearts, Lord. You have changed us from the inside out, Lord. You have made us a new creation. You have made us sons and daughters through Jesus Christ. Let us not belittle that. 
Let us not minimize that. Lord, let us recognize that we're sons and daughters and we were ransomed and, and restored by you, Lord, and continuously being restored and sanctified by you, Holy Spirit. Because as the one man said, that you take an unholy man and from this unholy world and make him holy and keep him holy in it. This is the only reason why we're here, God. You make us holy. You separated us for yourself. You made us your family. You made us your own. Lord, you purchased us with your blood, O Christ. Let us go in remembrance of this. Let us limp with joy. Let us be praising God for what he has done for us. That people will see us and ha- see, I want to know what that is. What is going on with this man? What is going on with this woman? Why is she so rejoicing even when things are going wrong? Why is she so happy? Why is she so joyful? Why is this? It is because of Christ that saved me. It's because of Christ who rescued me. It's because of Christ transforming me from darkness to light, renewing me. Father, I thank you for everyone here, Lord. I pray for those that are here at this moment that don't know you, Father God, that they will repent from their sins and trust in you, Father. Trust in your beloved Son. Trust in the works of Christ. Trust in Jesus. Holy Spirit, work today in the hearts of your people, in the hearts that don't know Jesus Christ, that you will reveal to them, that you will lead a conviction in their hearts, a a godly sorrow that leads to truth, that leads to faith in Christ. I thank you for everything you do, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.